Hello and welcome to episode number 71 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson and Fairway Jay, where we run down all of the big bets, all of the big news, all of the big happenings in the gambling industry, be that sports betting, DFS, poker, a little bit of it all, whenever we get to talking about stuff. And we have some pretty mammoth news to talk about, certainly on this podcast here. And of course, we will take a look back very quickly at week four, some of the observations and look ahead to week five as well. As always, we are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Please head over there, subscribe, rate, and review. We really appreciate that. Helps us climb those charts and so uh, make this thing available to more people out there at the Lions US and at PlayPix US whenever we are talking about the Twitter machine. But Brett, I was sitting about to go to bed you were far into your slumber over there on the east coast you were three hours ahead of me and i was nearly asleep coming through just before midnight pacific on wednesday night over here thursday morning over there was some of the biggest news definitely in the gaming industry of the last decade maybe ever whenever you consider what this could possibly do here but the Flutter Group and the Stars Group have now proposed a merger. And if you're wondering, you're saying, I don't even under- understand what Flutter is. Up until very, very recently, it was known as Patty Power Betfair. Patty Power Betfair, two massive gaming companies in the UK. They came over here, they acquired TVG, they at- acquired FanDuel, they also own Sports uh, Sportsbet as well, which is another big online book. They are just a massive gaming company. And of course, if you've been in the online poker realm at all, you know what the Stars Group is. Yes, they own Poker Stars, but they also got in on the gaming industry, uh, gaming business as well. They bought Skybet over in the UK, a massive, massive gaming company. So they have Skybet, they have Poker Stars. Short lived, they had Bet Stars, which turned into Fox Bet through a partnership with Fox. And Brett, I mean, this is like, we're talking about like, an, a, a combined company here that if this were to go through with all the regulations and stuff has casino sports betting has poker has fantasy sports has the free-to-play game that fox sports super six thing that they have going on i mean they really have every single way to get at a gamer and it this company put together would be something like 11 billion in in revenue it's it's pretty crazy yeah, kind of an interesting takeover deal here between these two gaming behemoths. Uh, a lot to unpack, and I have not, I have not read deep into this yet. My main question is what what does this what does this mean for the brands down the road? I mean, this this gives FanDuel access to kind of run away with this sports betting market in the U.S. right now. I mean, I'm, I'm sure some of these other operators are kind of scrambling to make something happen. Um, but I, like, what, what is this? Is it going to be the FanDuel Sportsbook? Is it going to be Fox Bet Sportsbook? Is it, is, you know, I mean, what, what is this, what is this going to be? Are these two operators going to coexist going forward or is it going to be FanDuel and then Fox as the media arm? That's, those are the questions I'm really curious in. Uh, I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts on that one. Yeah, I mean, I think that they probably run it as two separate brands. I mean, and and you have the FanDuel brand, but you also have the Fox brand, which is really widely known as well uh, as part of this deal. If you guys remember, we reported on it whenever Fox and the Stars Group actually had a partnership that Fox was able to buy up to 50% of the Stars Group. Well, at, with this new company, 
um, being formed here, they actually still have the option to buy in. Now, it's not 50%. They can buy up to 18.5% of this new company that will be formed here. So Fox, as a media arm, Jay, could actually buy you know nearly 20% of what would be the biggest gaming company in the world here. So really interesting twists and turns and everything that's going on with all of this because, I mean, we are talking, you know, TVG, arguably the biggest brand in all of horse racing. You have FanDuel, which has become the biggest brand in all of legal sports betting. Poker Stars, definitely the biggest brand in all of poker. And whenever you get over to the UK, if you guys have ever been over there and you start walking around you run into you run into patty power shops like you run into these uh gaming establishments all over the place here so i mean it is really and truly just such a huge huge deal i'm spinning as i'm reading all of the information (laughs) on it 13 million active customers with the combined groups and uh there's a lot (laughs) you can you can see why they they're they're putting it together and uh, i saw some of the stock information that's coming about from it but i um I, I'm trying to grab my, put my hands around everything that I'm reading about it because it's it's quite a merger and a huge impact on the industry, obviously, in the United States now. And that is where I was going with this, Brett. You kind of alluded to it was just the impact that this has on the betting industry in general in the United States here. I mean, we're talking now about you mentioned once these once this company combines they will have access to half of the United States through deals that have been made here. Uh, They will be able to get into 24 different states in the United States. And of course that's over half because you know, there's some States where we know that that it's basically impossible for gaming to happen. There's no gaming in Utah. There's no gaming in Hawaii. It's not going to happen anytime soon in California or Florida or Texas. So, I mean, this is like well over the, the well over half of the actual potential regulated States here that they could reach. And so, um, it's just it's like you said, it it puts a brand like DraftKings and even MGM, William Hill, you know, all of these other brands out there, Caesars that is trying to make headway, points bet for sure that was trying to get a foot in the door. I don't know if the, I can't say for sure this is going to lead to further consolidation within the industry, but it almost makes you think that there would have to be for some of these brands in order to be able to compete. Yeah, I would bet on it. Uh, that'll be certainly one of the more interesting stories uh, over the next year or so. I mean, when you factor in the access that not you know not only the access they have to states, just the access they to they have to, to sports fans and betters in those states with this media company, it's I mean it's huge, and it's going to be hard for any of these other operators to compete. This is, a, this is a this is a huge deal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like as we mentioned, they have a way to get to every single type of gamer and gambler uh betfair yeah. betfair has uh online casino li- that is going in the united states over in new jersey so you have casino players there you have FanDuel, which obviously has the sports betting but also has the fantasy sports arm you have tvg who has the horse racing arm and then you have poker stars that has the, the poker arm so basically every way that anyone has to gamble they have a way to get to you and to market to you with massive huge brands within the industry so yeah this will be fun to follow over the next little bit here and certainly see, I mean, there is regulation concerns here. They will have to get, you know, this approved in not only the United States, but in the UK and I think in Australia as well. So there's three different places, I think, that will have to uh, give this the go ahead. But from early indications, there would be no reason why they would not be able to do this. So 
pretty uh, pretty big news here and could be maybe the biggest gaming news of our lifetimes if this thing are, were, were actually to go through. But if you're living in the great state of Indiana and maybe even in the great state of Illinois here, specifically the Chicago area, Brett, some pretty good news for you as of today. Yeah, a couple hours before we hopped on this show here, DraftKings Sportsbook went live in the Hoosier State. DraftKings launched its mobile sportsbook in Indiana this afternoon. Uh, the first bet, a $25 wager on the Cardinals to win this uh, NLDS series against the Braves. Huge news for sports betting in the U.S. I mean, Indiana one of the top 20 states in the U.S. as far as population. Uh, a lot of dedicated sports fans reside in the state with the Colts, Pacers. you got Indiana basketball, uh, Notre Dame football, and betting on all college sports is permitted. So, you know, college football, basketball, anything the operator decides to list, uh, you can bet on it. So, I mean, if you live in Indiana or, like you said, near the Indiana border in Chicago or Cincinnati, Louisville, right on the Indiana border, uh, this, is, this is big news. And if if you want to know how to sign up, get the best bonus at, at DraftKings. There's another sportsbook opening today in Bet Rivers. There's more on the way. We've got all that information uh, for you at thelines.com. We got articles going up this week. We've got a de- dedicated page for Indiana right on the homepage. So uh, a lot happening in Indiana and right in the heart. I mean, every sport is colliding right now. So. A, a good time for them to launch. Jay, we look at this, and I'm sure they are very excited that they are getting the customers there in Indiana. But as I mentioned, Chicago is about a 25-minute drive to the border there. This is a mobile state, so you are able, as soon as you can get within that geofence, you would be able to bet there in Indiana. So if you're DraftKings, you're certainly happy about Indiana. You're probably giddy at the fact that Illinois has not been able to get anything done, and you're going to get those Chicago betters as well. Yeah, it's huge. Again, you know, DraftKings now in five states, and the the fact that they're going to have the mobile availability is a big bonus as well. I've, I've been following some of our sister companies, Legal Sports Report, posting on that and our coverage at the lines with um, what's going on with the DraftKings expansion there as well. And uh, But it's it's really big to see that Indiana is, uh, they've, they've got a leg up in, in what's happening with the sports betting market there. And Jay, right before we came on, uh, you popped something in the sheet here uh, about William Hill and looks like they are, William Hill kind of breaking some ground here as well. Yeah, in venue sportsbook, uh, the first one t- inside Capital One Arena in D.C. Um, I know we, we're going to touch on the, the betting partner of the NBA, but the fact that now they're expanding into arenas, you're going to see, I think, more of that in the future. But uh, the first big announcement is William Hill is launching uh, in venue sports book inside a Capital One Arena. And Brett, as he, as uh, Jay just mentioned, William Hill is the latest of the partners of the NBA, but we should definitely point out that the NBA is basically taking on all comers at this point. As long as you're willing to pay, they will, they will make you a partner. Yeah. And I imagine this will be a, a really good topic on the legal sports report podcast this week. I'm interested to hear that because um, I'm not really sure I understand why William Hill is doing this. They're the first, I mean, MGM was the first partner with the NBA, right? And William Hill is now the second. So, I mean, I, just trying to figure out what they get. No, out of this. they're like it's, the third or fourth at this point. Like, oh, like yeah, that's like right. There Bet was, Stars there had done others. it. Yeah, yeah like, that's right. Like Bet Stars had done it, and whatever. So, like, yeah, there's just you know uh, all these companies. I guess at the end of the day, you you can go in and 
you can just say you're an official partner of the NBA. I mean, that might that might actually hold some water. You know, that might actually help you acquire a customer that doesn't really know anything about any of these sports books. And if you're able to say you're an official partner of a league, then that might help you acquire a customer. So, I mean, I'm sure they I'm sure they have done their due diligence in this to make it seem like it is worth their while to do it. But I'm kind of like you. I mean, I don't know. Because because there is some exclusivity stuff with the um with with the MGM deal, it's not it's certainly not exclusivity. It's not exclusivity to the data or anything like that. But there's certainly some. Uh, I think MGM is the only person that the NBA will actually promote, like through the NBA.com and some of the different little contests that they're running and all that. So you're really just getting the scraps at this point if you come in behind MGM, but. Uh, listen, I said, like I said, they're they're smarter than we are, so they probably right, figured right. out, uh, you know, that this is worth the the juice is worth the squeeze whenever it all comes down to it. Last week, we mentioned on the podcast that Mattress Mac was going to go out and he was going to put three and a half million dollars down on his beloved Houston Astros, which was really just a hedge for a promotion that he runs for his gallery furniture store there in Houston actually has three locations of that store. So he must sell a hell of a lot of mattresses over there, but not only did he do that, Brett, which he went over to DraftKings Sportsbook in Mississippi and, and got that done, which I found a little interesting that they uh, decided to have him do it in Mississippi as opposed to Jersey. But he apparently was on a flight yesterday, landed, went up, got up this morning, headed over to FanDuel Sportsbook in New Jersey, put down another one and a half million dollars on the Astros. So now Mattress Mac is up to a, a solid five million on the Astros to win the World Series. Yeah, and I think he, he got some money down in Vegas, too. So he's up over five million dollars. Uh in, <laughs> invested in the Astros, of course. Like we said, it is a hedge against his business promotion at his stores in Texas. I don't know how you guys feel about this. I, I thought this was way cooler last month when we were speculating about, you know, who this could be and why the, why they want to put so much money down on this. And and now these books are they're rolling out the red carpet for a PR opportunity. I I don't know. I just I, I've kind of lost interest in this. It's cool that you know the the books are taking. These bets, I guess that's the big story out of this is that, you know, DraftKings is, and FanDuel are taking these bets. But I mean, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it does. It doesn't feel like a, like a real bet to me, I guess, is 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 what I'm saying. Jay, I think one of the stories here that I've been seeing on Twitter and you might have been seeing the narrative on this as well about the guys, you know, coming out and saying, you remember when Vegas used to be the hub of all the big bets? And I thought Vegas was where this was supposed to be. And I think one of the things people aren't doing is looking a little deeper into this where it's much easier for these New Jersey books to take bets like this because they're going to see or have already seen such massive, massive Yankees action that the that is going to offset this like in Vegas over here. We're, we're not you know, you don't see just a cr- incredible regional bias. You don't really see regional bias at all out here in Vegas. But we know for sure that there's regional bias going on over there in New Jersey. So they're going to get the money with the Yankees being in the playoffs like they're going to get that Yankees money as well, which helps kind of take the the sting off of being able to take some of these bets here so it's not really that Vegas you know is is taking a step back and they're not the leader anymore and in New Jersey's the leader it's just the way that the risk and the, and the tolerance is for the two different places right now it's just for a bet like this it, it, they're just on two different levels yeah good point because as you talk to the bookmakers they'll always talk you know they'll tell you 
certainly privately about liability and how that impacts what they are able to take. Now, the Yankees are a liability, I believe, in Vegas as well at most sports books, but much bigger out in New Jersey as uh, the bets keep coming in and, and initially had come in on, on, the, on New York. So, yeah, it is a little easier. And if they've got deeper pockets, it makes it um, – well, they're, they're trying to certainly leverage and reduce liability. But that's why you see the bet um, and why you, I think, saw uh, – Certainly an independent book, but it was 200000 that he bet out at South Point here on the Astros, whereas now he's getting significantly down, more down on those uh, uh, now New Jersey and the Mississippi book. But regional bias is very real. And if you look at the even in the weekly matchups and games, you'll see the support of those teams. And we'll, uh, Nick Bogdanovich had told me, you know, it's it's massive in Rhode Island on the amount of money that comes in on on the Patriots every week. And yet that's, that's nothing compared to the amount of volume that's coming out of New Jersey. Jay, I know I already know the answer here with Brett, so I don't have to ask him. We'll get to him in a second, but NHL season is underway as of Wednesday. We are officially into the regular season here. Are you a hockey better? Do you get down very often on the NHL? I always tell people that's interesting. I don't, I do bet the NHL, but not much. Um, and I rely on some uh, really other people that are really into it and study. I don't put in the time, and it's interesting because I played college hockey, and I don't. <laughs> I love the game, and I ju- I think it's a tougher handicap, and it's very much. You, I think you get into scheduling and teams that get go into Canada and make the West Coast swing, and then are you know like we talk about in the NBA, kind of the scheduling with regards to rest and days. But I think it's tough, and when there's not as much scoring, it it's impactful on uh, what you're going to get on the lines. But like anything else, you're going to see, you know, Vegas was a big favorite now opening night, probably more so than it should be, but you had a lot of different situations working with uh, having been knocked out by San Jose last year in the playoffs. And, And so you see higher lines, but I do bet some hockey, just not much. Brett, I know you're a big hockey guy, and why don't you give the people who are listening just a real quick kind of overview? Of course, you play NHL DFS as well. You are a big, uh, big DFS hockey player. Why don't you just give a brief kind of summary of the things that you're looking at whenever you look at a specific game? And you know, I'm sure a lot of there's, I'm sure there's a lot of crossover between how you're handicapping it from a betting standpoint and how you would go about it from a DFS standpoint. Because I mean, I imagine there's a lot of things. You know, who's in goal how the how his form has been recently etc cetera, etc cetera. so what are some of the things that you're kind of like making notes of as you're looking into the games and, and looking to handicap them yeah i wish i had better access to a sports book here in new york right now i would certainly have a lot of action on the nhl possibly more than any other sport because i i think you can take advantage of the randomness and unpredictability of a hockey game day to day you know you stretch it over a season and you know the you know the variance is going to reduce quite a bit but um i, I think there are a lot of opportunities uh, on a single game to take it you know to, to bet on an underdog um and if you're looking at futures you know hockey at its core is just like i said it's a very high variance game so i don't see any value in betting favorites uh, for the season i think it's worth eyeing some of the you know some of the teams in in the middle tier some of the younger teams that have got some experience with some of the younger players over the years high draft picks that uh, you know a lot of you know high pedigree guys that are going to be stars but haven't quite got uh, into the you know the flow of the league yet i think there are some interesting teams this year that could kind of be sneaky and you know between the like the plus three thousand to plus six thousand range to win the stanley cup 
And from a DFS standpoint, what are some of the things, if somebody wants to give that a whirl, what are some of the things, just kind of some some very basic stuff here? And, of course, you can dig in over at Play Picks and the Lines and things like that as, as to get like some advanced strategy and stuff. But what are just some of the things you're just kind of looking at whenever you're trying to figure out where you want to go with your lineups? Well, the most important thing is knowing what each line is going to look like for each team. If you're playing a big tournament, you're going, you're going to want to be stacking guys who are playing on the same line because they score two, three goals. There's going to be, not only are you getting points for goals, you're getting points for assists as well. So you want to be stacking lines more than just like a few players on a team on different lines. Power plays are also a good thing to look at, uh, especially if you know there's a guy who is maybe on the fourth line but getting power play time, he's going to be cheaper that's a guy you're going to want to be looking at. And like I said, with you know betting day-to-day, I mean, there's just a lot of randomness. So maybe picking players on a team that nobody else is going to have. If you know the Ottawa Senators are playing one of the weaker teams in the league, Ottawa's terrible, but they could score three, four goals, maybe even five goals on a given night. You just you don't know how the puck is going to fly around the net. So, I mean, that's... I, I take a very contrarian approach to DFS hockey, and it's worked for me pretty well in the past. So those are the kinds of, the kind of things I look for. Vegas, you guys mentioned, did open the season last night. They had a 4-1 to win over San Jose. It was the most bet regular season game in the history of the Westgate Superbook. So everyone wow. who said that this uh, that this wasn't going to be a hockey town and that this was never going to last and it would be a flash in the pan – Brett, I think that might even have been Easy. you over there saying Easy. things like this. It's always it's always nice when you're winning. I would <laughs> like to see what this what this city looks like when eventually. I mean, it might be a while because they're really good right now. But when they have a few losing years, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what it looks like. But yeah, right now uh, that that is a hockey city. No yeah, question. it was. I mean, again, most bet regular season NHL game in the history of Westgate. And then on top of that. Another stat that came out that they uh, shot over to us last night when I was on air over at VEASAN was they got 10x, 10x on the Vegas San Jose game than they got on the Rays A's wildcard baseball game. Wow. Oh, I mean, it's just it's crazy that that I mean, that is just the fever that is going on out here on the West Coast for for hockey. It's pretty nuts. And. And the puck line cashed as well, which is, brings me to a question. I, are they going to – and, Brett, do you see this? Uh, offshore, you can bet, um, you know, half a puck instead of uh, laying a uh, puck and a half. Do you, we don't see that uh, in Vegas, and we don't see that in most of the U.S. books. Are, is that coming, do you think? Do you think you'll, you'll see Westgate or others at some point offering a half puck line? Uh, good question. I, I don't know. I've never, I've never bet a half puck. I, you know, I don't look offshore, so I haven't seen that. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I at um at uh, at DraftKings you can do alternate line and you can get one. Right. They don't yep. do they don't do half puck, but you can just get it at one. And uh, so I mean, they do offer that over there. If that's something that you guys are kind of like looking at as well, as far as these futures go. Brett, I mean, you being our our, our resident kind of real hockey guy here, I mean, Lightning 750 to win it all, uh, the Leafs at 900, Vegas at 950. Then you kind of get into the the double digit favorites here, Bruins 13 to 1, Stars 13 to 1, Avalanche 17 to 1, same with the Predators and Capitals. 
Is that the kind of sweet spot you're looking at? Or are you looking even deeper? Are you looking more into the 20, 25 to one type plays when you say that you, you'd rather take one of these underdogs? Yeah, I'm looking deeper. I mean, just looking at what we've seen over the past couple of years with Vegas kind of coming out of nowhere. Last year, the Blues, that happened midseason where they just kind of, you know, caught fire and, and went on a rush that we've never seen before. So I'm, I'm looking even further down there. Uh, I think I saw like the Coyotes are between like 40 and 60 to one. That's a team that nobody's looking at, but they should be because they've been bad for a long time. And some of these early, you know, first round draft picks are are, are coming up and they're going to be good, good hockey players. So, I mean, that, that's a team that I think could be sneaky. Um, Connor McDavid and Edmonton all the way at the bottom. You just, you never know. So that, that's, that's the tier I'm looking at. I, I think it's just, I think it's wide open again this year. I don't see any value in betting a Tampa Bay team as good as they are at plus 750 when playoff time, you just don't know what's going to happen. We've seen it year after year. Or goaltenders go down and yeah. might have injuries out because that's uh, that's the most impactful. Goaltending is you know, obviously huge in in hockey. Yeah, and goaltending or goaltenders get hot at, at you know at, at certain times. You just you know we saw it last year with uh with with the Blues. It's it's a, it's a it's a really interesting sport. You ready? Uh, very, you ready for very my streaky. very highly? You ready for my highly uh, informed pick here? Hockey I'm man, going, let's I'm, go! Man. I'm going. I'm going. Carolina Hurricanes at twenty one to one. That's what okay. I'm going with. Look, they made a deep run last year too. Twenty-one uh, as, to one a, is where yeah. I'm going on on them. I actually think the winner is going to be the Dallas Stars. That's who I'm going with. But I mean, I I don't want to bet them at thirteen to one. I'd rather take the longer shot at twenty-one to one. Yeah, understood. So that's how I'm going to go that. And speaking of regional bias, we were just talking about regional bias when it comes to some of these other things. Uh, uh, Brett, some pretty pretty decent regional bias at DraftKings. Yeah, uh, before the season started, DraftKings sent uh, sent us some funny information here. Forty three percent of all futures handle on the New Jersey Devils <laughs> at DraftKings Sportsbook in New Jersey. Twenty percent on the Rangers at plus thirty seven hundred. Who the Rangers were terrible last year. Uh, Flyers were the next highest at thirty two hundred five percent handle, and then the Lightning at five percent as well. But um, yeah, regional bias is a a very real thing in New Jersey. <laughs> it, it certainly is. I mean, whenever we got the we got the preseason NFL totals from from them over there, and of course, you know, the Patriots were getting the most money when it came to Super Bowl, but then they were they were followed they were followed by the Jets and Giants. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like it's it's the Patriots last get, year. yeah getting the most money, and then it was followed by the Jets and Giants. I mean, it's just it's uh it's pretty nuts. I mean, they listen. That is, I am okay with that, and I actually commend that because I think if you're going to just be a casual fan and you want something to just root for during the season, you probably want to be rooting for your team anyway. So I mean, I'm I'm fine with it. You know, I mean, I, I, you probably go into that knowing you're not going to cash that ticket, but how sweet it would be if it was your team and you were able to cash that ticket from that. I, I, listen, I, I get those type of bets, you know. Well, the Devils are interesting too. I mean, they're one of the teams I was talking about earlier. The you know the teams that have been bad that have all this young talent coming up. That's one of them. So I would love to know how much liability DraftKings has on the Devils because that's I wouldn't be surprised if they made a run. All right. So you that'll heard, be that'll be worth that'll be worth watching. You heard that from Hockey Brett, and he actually is Hockey Brett. <laughs> hockey Matt only comes around during the playoffs. So yeah, I mean we've got to uh, we'll get back to Hockey Brett here. But let's talk some college football, Jay. We are now, you know, past the quarter point, obviously, in the season here, rolling up on the midway point of the season of college football here. It seems it is still the haves and the have nots, but there was a little bit of a scare over there for 
uh, for Clemson, and there are some people saying that maybe this Clemson team isn't just completely invincible. I think they are invincible in the regular season for sure. I think they're going to probably moonwalk through the rest of all of these games on their schedule, but I don't know if that does them any favors once it comes playoff time. Is this something you started to think about when you look at college football here? Because I actually think it might be a real thing that they play a bunch of weak-ass teams and then they're going to jump right into the playoffs here. And whether it be Bama or Georgia or LSU or Oklahoma, like they are going to get a real test when once they jump into the playoffs here. Yeah, I've, I'm learning a little lesson again. I, I go through this. I like to play even some of the bigger underdogs. And, you know, the, you're seeing some just huge routes and scores by the, the teams in these non-conference games. But like you said, now Clemson goes on the road and gets a real test from North Carolina. And um, you saw you saw Trevor Lawrence under more pressure. He was 34% of his pass drops. He was under pressure and his numbers were not good. It was like 41 yards under pressure last week. And, and so, you know, Clemson is not in the premier conference and they're not playing the stiffest competition. And I, I always believe at some point during the course of a season, even the best team is going to come up with a real challenge. And maybe this was theirs, but to only have 331 yards offense is obviously really down for them last week. And, and, and uh, moving forward, you just have to be uh, understand that you're going to pay a premium on these teams and prices and you got to find the right spots. And then that's the difficult part is well, our teams, you, you can't just look at the scores. You got to dig into the box scores, but, in, in this case, Clemson, five interceptions now for Lawrence on the year. That's why you're seeing him drop way down the Heisman odds. And as a team, their defense is obviously very strong, but their offense isn't clicking quite as what it was. And in, in saying that, I noticed that they still are scoring 38 points per game through five games, which is exactly the point per per. per game production they had through five games last year and then they just exploded so they're still very dangerous and clearly the best team still but got a real scare from North Carolina last week. Brett we look over at these futures and how things are playing out here for the title Clemson still the favorite at DraftKings and at FanDuel at FanDuel looking at the Pennsylvania FanDuel book over here Clemson plus 180 actually which is even lower than Clemson plus 200 over at DraftKings Bama 250 at both shops. You can get Georgia at 800 as opposed at uh, at FanDuel as opposed to 700 over at DraftKings. Then we have Ohio State at nine, LSU at 12, Oklahoma at 14 at DraftKings. Then we have uh, over on the other side Georgia at eight, Ohio State 950, LSU 1400, Oklahoma 1400 over on FanDuel here. Pretty interesting whenever you see how how much money or, or at least that these odds are not changing the money's not rolling in on these other teams anyway to you know boost that number on Clemson at all whenever yeah. you look at the Pennsylvania book here at, at FanDuel Clemson at 180 I wouldn't you couldn't pay me you could not pay me to put money on Clemson at 180 well especially the way Trevor Lawrence is playing like this is not the guy we watched last year just steamroll Alabama. I don't know what I watched that Clemson UNC game and he he didn't look right. That offense is not functioning the way it was last year. So uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't like that number at all, and I'm surprised that you know the Georgias and the Ohio States and even the LSU's are not moving up higher. LSU's actually made a huge jump since the start of the season, but. Um, the fact that they're not in single digits yet here is, is kind of surprising. Heisman Trophy odds definitely have been on the move. However, yeah. whenever we were looking at this before the season started, guys, you will remember that there were actually props that were going on out there of 
Tua and Trevor Lawrence versus the field. And you could actually make that bet if if you wanted to to make that bet on those two guys. Now we sit here, we look at uh, Tua is the big, big, big favorite over at DraftKings plus 110 over at FanDuel plus 150. And where is Trevor Lawrence? Down at 28 to 1 over at DraftKings down at I mean, I mean, has fallen all the way down to 50 to one over at FanDuel. 50 to one. Yeah, 50 That's to wild. one. So from co-favorite before the season starts down to 50 to one over at FanDuel here. Jay, as we kind of start handicapping this, Jalen Hurts, 300, Fields, 500, Burrow, 500, Jonathan Taylor, 800, and Fromm. 2200 over at DraftKings. If we look over at FanDuel, Hertz 340, Burrow 600, Fields 850, Taylor 950, and Fromm 2200 over there as well. Do any of these guys in this next tier outside of Tua uh, interest you at all at these prices? No, and I, I, the Heisman race is uh, certainly gets publicity and recognition. I personally don't play it. I'm I had commented that Joe Burrow was on a you know a national championship contender and he was huge odds you know 200 plus to one to start the season and that's kind of where I think you want to be able to potentially anticipate going forward. But these guys, it, it's quite a race with the top five. I mean, Tua and Hertz and Burrow and Fields are all so far having great seasons and obviously Taylor, the running back at Wisconsin, is the other guy at single digit odds. It's having a great season. So those are your likely contenders none of the rest down below i thought maybe swift would uh be a contender he's a great player but not maybe enough to catch those even if he went on a big run and same with quarterback from of georgia but george is the one team that i had said that i think they're very very legitimate uh, national title contender and it would take one of those two guys and that's the problem is between from and swift who's going to come and make you know an enormous leap when they're both having uh, real important to that team's success and both going to kind of offset each other maybe on statistical profiles. Definitely. I, I think that there's an interesting, I think there's an interesting, very, very, very deep flyer here, Brett. And I know they really will do everything in their power not to give the Heisman to a freshman. But Bo Nix is down at 60 to 1 over at FanDuel. And at DraftKings, you can get him at actually 100 to 1. And the thing about this is there's actually a very clear path to him winning this title. And with that, he would be knocking off three other favorites along the way. So like, I like to be able to paint a picture as to how this could actually happen. And if Bo Nix were ever to have a chance to win this, he would have to get through LSU, Alabama, and then Georgia in the SEC championship game, and then probably beat a Jalen Hurts or a, you know, let's call it, let's call it a Jonathan Taylor, whoever it might be, uh, Justin Fields in the playoff as well. So while he would have to win a whole bunch of, of very big games, he actually is picking off all of these other contenders along the way uh, as, as a way to do that. And so if you just want to take a massive flyer on something that has a very, very small chance of happening, but there is a realistic pathway to it happening, I think it's pretty in- – I mean, some of these other guys that are just – you know, look, Jacob Eason, it's never happening. You know, uh, Higgins, Judy, all these other, like, super long shots, whatever, it's never happening because they're, they're never going to be in the position to where that could happen. If Auburn were to run the table – 
and get it get to the playoffs, I mean, it's a very real it's a very real possibility you could at least paint the picture for Bo Nix. If you like Bo Nix, do it now because it all starts this week at Florida. If they go into Gainesville and win that game and he just lights up that defense, his odds are going to fall to like what, 40? And then they, you know, and then it's just they just keep dropping if if like you said, they just run the table. So I think right now it's probably the best opportunity to go and get Knicks at 100 to 1 uh if if you think that's possible I I don't see it happening obviously but I don't hate the odds I like the long, this is probably one of the better long shots on the board Yeah that's kind of where I was going with it it's it's I don't see it happening either but if you're somebody that likes to have one of these long shot tickets to where it's basically you know you can it's basically a lottery ticket there's at least a pathway for this becoming reality, right? I mean, it is it is Auburn beating Joe Burrow and LSU. It is Auburn beating Tua and Alabama. It is it yeah. is it is it is Auburn beating you know a Jalen Hurts in the playoffs or beating and beating Jake Fromm in Georgia in the SEC championship game. So like he's knocking off competition along the way as well. So it's not just some of these other some of these other long shots. It would just be them beating up on other, on bottom feeders. But uh, but Bo Nix along the way would actually be picking off other people that he's competing against for this Heisman Trophy. I don't hate it, man. I kind of like it. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, listen, 100 to 1, I think you could do worse with your with your money if you want to try and take a take a lottery ticket thing here. All right, Jay, let's start with week four in the NFL real quick and just something maybe a takeaway that you had from this past week that you can share with the listeners to kind of, you know, help them as we move forward here into week five of the NFL. Well, it was a huge week for the sports books and I things jumped off the page last week to me. A lot of underdogs that I played and they went five and ten for the week against the spread. But on Sunday, it was, a, you know, you saw, I, I guess, in, in, the, in the takeaways, the, the, the way the Kansas City won and the way the Patriots won and just barely um, missed covering, you can see the point spreads and some of the inflation in the lines. And that's as a better, um, and what you want to look at You're you're, you, you got to get into the, the understanding of buy low, sell high. And right now, as good as the Patriots and chiefs are, you were really paying a premium on the road last week, even against uh, teams that some don't think are, are for real, but both were uh, unbeaten. The Lions last week, they outgained the chiefs. They really let that one get away again. Thought they should have had the win and obviously had had to Kansas City in a fourth and eight. And then New England, after a, a strong start, 13 nothing, thanks to um, defensive play in the block punt, they get outplayed and outgained pretty badly. But four Bills turnovers did them in. And my takeaway was that underdogs had a huge week. Um, and you, you need to just understand these road favorites, especially laying the prices. Even the best teams you see that may not cover and really were vulnerable to be beat. And we saw a number of outright upsets last week, obviously, with the Raiders surprise and the Cowboys going down in New Orleans and Jacksonville at Denver. So, you know, I, I'm an underdog player. It was a good week, but you got you got to recognize the road favorites, especially when you're starting to lay prices can be risky. Brett, what was something that you, as that slate finished up, on Monday night in week four, that was a big takeaway from you for the week. I mean, we've seen it every week so far this year, and it just it continued in week four. The the gap in not only coaching but talent from the very top of the league to the very bottom is just so large right now. And I think, you know, the game on Monday night with the Bengals it, it was a great example of a poorly coached team that just can't. I mean, look, Pittsburgh is not good. They dinked and dunked their way down the field against Cincinnati. They didn't throw the ball at all downfield. I think I think they had one play to Deontay Johnson there. Uh, the rest of the game was just dumping it off to running backs, and Cincinnati could not stop it. 
Like that's how bad some of these teams are right now. Miami, uh, Arizona, just I, that was another bad read by me last week was Arizona against Seattle. They just can't they can't match up with some of these even like mediocre teams. So I, I'm really glad Miami is off this week. I can take the blinders off so I don't have to bet Miami again because obviously my read is off on some of these professional football teams that just aren't they aren't good. I think my biggest takeaway of the week was I am really going to start increasing my stock in these really good defenses that are playing against teams with uh, with kind of middling to anemic offenses, even if I think that that team has an anemic offense as well. Fortunately, I was on the Titans last week, but they certainly fit that bill. I still think that offense is pretty much garbage, but that defense is good enough to where if they're playing another team that has a sketchy offense, they're going to be able to prevail. The same, I think, could be said for the Bears. It is There's no question that Bears offense is absolutely putrid and pathetic, but that defense is so, so good that they can play against these other teams that just don't have any creativity, that don't know how to go in and game plan, plan properly. And despite the fact that they can't move the ball really themselves, they're just going to be able to win these games and cover these games. And I think the same could even be said, Brett, for your Buffalo Bills. I mean, certainly they'll need to get Josh Allen back in this, but same deal. I mean, it is not a very good offense really for the Bills there, but that defense is so good that I think they are just going to be able to really, really play almost everybody tough for for the entire season even if they can't put the points on the board themselves they're going to scrape by some ugly wins or at least cover some of these spreads where they are dogs because of these really stout defenses I mean hell we even saw it with that Cowboys and Saints game I mean for whatever reason Kellen Moore and the Cowboys decided that they were just going to run into the teeth of that Saints defense 18 times with with Zeke Elliott to the tune of 1.9 yards per carry and that Saints in, Saints defense just bottled them up and was able to squeak out a disgusting win where they didn't even score a touchdown. They kicked four field goals and were able to win the game outright. So I think I'm going to really start waiting these defenses, even when I don't really am not in love with the offense. I mean, again, I'm not in love with the Saints offense right now. I, 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 I certainly don't think that they're even in the top half of the league right now with the way that they're playing. But the defense in certain situations, especially these run heavy teams, they have a very, very good run defense. The Titans, where these other teams rely on big splash plays, kind of like the Falcons. The Titans play that bend but don't break defense, keep everything in front of them. Julio Jones and, and Calvin Ridley can't bust off those big 40, 50, 60 yard plays and stuff they're able to get it done and you know kind of the same thing with some of these others which is why I might look into this 49ers team a little bit heavier as well because I think that defense is pretty legit I certainly don't love that offense but if they're going to be able to limit what these other people can do I think that these maybe some of these pathetic offenses are just going to be just a little bit more a little less pathetic than the other team that they're playing and uh, I might have to start backing them even though I, I can't stand you know watching the game itself because of the play calling and how they're utilizing some of these these people on their team yeah especially if they have a good pass rush and that was one thing I identified last week was you know defenses that have a great pass rush against offensive lines that can't contain them and that started with Chicago last week the Titans were certainly were, were one of those sides and the Bucks against the Rams something that I did not factor enough into my capping of that game is that they could not contain Shaq, Shaq Barrett and that Bucks pass rush that all that offensive line for the Rams is horrifying so I mean that's these are things that you really have to I mean we're starting to see now that 
this they, we're four games in. We have enough. We have a big enough sample to say, okay, there's something going on with this Rams offensive line. They're not as good. I mean, we have to adjust our capping because it's going to affect Jared Goff in this offense. This is not going to be the same offense as it was last year. All right, so let's look ahead here to to week five. Before we get going here, I mean, one of the things, Jay, one of the things we don't talk about, I think, enough on the show, and I'll try to start doing that a little bit more, is some of the props out there. I think if you look, if you're trying to just beat the NFL on a week-to-week basis, strictly betting sides here you know it's very very tough the lines are so incredibly efficient the way that the market moves and shapes everything it's 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 tough to do but you know I think that some of the prop bets out there are certainly exploitable and certainly if you have kind of your own projections and you have your own idea of how games are going to go I think looking into a lot of these player props, especially our friends on the East Coast, I mean, they're not as readily available to to you and I over here in Vegas. But I mean, there are you know, there are literally there are literally a hundred bets you can make for every single game over on the East Coast between DraftKings and and FanDuel and and PointsBet and all these different books and stuff that are running out all these crazy props and stuff that you can look and I think there are inefficiencies in these lines and you know I've I've found them I've just not been able to play them because I don't live in in Jersey but uh, certainly something I think that our our listeners should probably look into a little bit more especially if they want to take this a little bit more seriously and try to make some money. Yeah, maybe I'll try to dig in and post some of those in the weeks ahead because I, I, I mentioned I do a lot, I, I put everything into a, a spreadsheet and box score analysis and some of the things you're talking about, uh, NFL is difficult to beat on the sides. We talk about teasers and how to utilize them because that's a, that's a way to move lines and 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 uh, another bet that I think is a good opportunity. But the props, you can now get into team totals. And if you're really studying statistical things, I keep staring at my screen here that I've pulled up uh, run defenses that are allowing – you know, X amount of rushes per game and really struggling because we've talked about the matchups, you know, throw out the trends and get into the dig into the matchups. And if you find something in a matchup where you think a team's going to either run the ball X amount of times and have great success against a weak run defense, now you can utilize those in your props and evaluate the props and start looking at total yardage for players. And that's how you start to break down and really put edges maybe in your favor, because a lot of the props from a yardage standpoint of the players are going to be utilizing single season long average and obviously if you find in the matchups where you can exploit that with a particular player or a particular uh, uh, matchup not only can help you maybe in some of your daily fantasy and in utilizing that but from the props betting you can start to dig in so I'll try to look into that for some of our future shows and we'll try to comment on that and get some of those to props from DraftKings and FanDuel and comment on some of those. Yeah, absolutely. And Brett, you know, one of the things I think that if if people want to start doing this, I mean, one of the things you really is important is to tell a story throughout the course of your prop bets, because what you don't want to do is have conflicting prop bets to how your narrative is for the way that the game is going to go. So for let's just use, for example, this past Monday night where I actually got my ass kicked on props, but I still think my process was was right. It just didn't kind of pan out here. So I actually thought that the Steelers were going to play well at home. You and I talked about this on the uh, Circa podcast. I actually thought that, you know, the Steelers team was going to kind of bounce back in a home spot here and and get up on this weak Bengals team. And with that being the case, that the Bengals were going to have to abandon the run completely, which they had no run game anyway to speak of. Joe Mixon had 82 total yards coming into that game and really just go to the pass full on, full out and, and, and just go balls out to to the passing game. So I bet 
you know, I bet Dalton over on passing yards. I bet Boyd over on receiving yards. I bet Boyd over on receptions. I bet uh, Mixon over on receptions was actually got there. So that was that was nice. But the, the other ones did not get there. But I told the story in my head of how this game was going to play out. And then I made the prop bets accordingly. And what you can do whenever you do that is when you're right with how that game is going to play out. You can win all of your prop bets. And so what you don't want to do is tell a story in your head of how the game's going to go and then make conflicting props because then you're messing with how, you know, if you have a total bet or if you have a side bet or whatever it might be, you want to try it and try and make it to where you can win all your bets. You don't want to make it to where it's like if you win one, you're probably going to lose the other. Yeah, the only time I ever play uh, player props are during the Super Bowl because if I'm gonna if I'm gonna bet an individual player performance, I just prefer to spend my money on on daily fantasy sports. But like you, I really do enjoy the story part of the player props. You know, putting together a script of how you think the game is going to go and then correlating your props accordingly. Like if you identify a pass funnel defense, you might want to bet the over on tight end or running back receiving yards and the under on wide receiver receiving yards on the same team. That's how you press any edges you have when betting on these things. So uh, I think you can line several props up for the same game and certainly make more money that way. Looking ahead to week five here, we will skip the Thursday night game because by the time some of you listen to this, that game will be in our rear view mirror here. That said, uh, about a one and a half, two point line. There's, there's some ones in Vegas in favor of Seattle on that one total of 49 but looking ahead here let's just jump to these games that have the double digit spreads and see if there's anything that jumps off the page to us here jay the eagles 13 and a half point favorites over the jets the redskins are 15 point dogs to the patriots and then we look and we have the chiefs coming in as 11 point favorites over the colts do any of these double digit games here uh, have a chance of making your card this week. Potentially the Jets, and it'll obviously every week now we've got maybe nine, ten starting quarterbacks that were backups at the start of the year that are now playing, and obviously Sam Darnold's status for the Jets would impact potentially a little line movement there. So if you anticipated he was going to play, uh, you might want to get down on the better number probably now because that line could drop a little bit but um the colts initially looked attractive but now you this is where you start looking at the injury situation and they're banged up and they're going into a tough venue and um you're paying a, a little inflated price there but that's not yet uh of interest and probably not laying it either and I'm, i don't lay 15 points on the road like the patriots are but that being said i talked a little bit about the fundamentals and washington is dreadful um they're allowing over 30 rushes per game that means people are the teams are just lining up and running over them at the point of attack. And if you can't control the line of a scrimmage, now you're going to give Brady even more options to balance it out with the passing game. And uh, I think maybe as you start to talk about how do you pr- project the games playing out, that game is they want to keep Brady healthy. They're probably going to just run the ball more and that keeps the clock moving. And that's probably why you've seen the total drop. And that was my interest in that game was to play under the total because I don't see Washington against that defense of the, of the Eagles and potential quarterback change for the Redskins as well, being able to p- produce many uh, yards or points after a real rough week again last week. Brett, it's tough to navigate these double digit spreads here. Do any of these games pop out at you? I mean, I guess the only thing for me, and I don't typically like to lay these big numbers here, especially on the road, but 
I think if the Redskins come out and say that they're going to go with Haskins again, that it at least I will dig into it a little bit further and see what's going on there because he looked absolutely dreadful against a much, much, much worse offense. I mean, much worse defense than he's going to see in the form of the New England Patriots here. So I don't know. It would it would at least I would at least kind of take a deeper look, I think. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm not a Haskins guy. And what we, man, what we saw on Sunday was uh, that was pretty brutal. Uh, the one game I'm looking at is is Kansas City, Indianapolis. I, this is a game I would probably get money down on for the Colts if I knew some of these players were healthy. The problem is they have a bye next week and their probability of winning this game is already so low. I can see them just resting guys and giving them right. two full weeks to recover before the end of the long stretch of the season. They start really digging into that division, uh, division game. So yeah, I don't, none of these games really pop off to me. I guess, you know, if I'm going to lean on one of them, it'd probably be Kansas city just because I don't think Indianapolis is really going to have, uh, they're not going to be anywhere near full strength. Yeah, it was, uh, I took a flyer on Kansas city with, uh, when this one was at 10 and uh, not a big bet, but f- I was I'd already looked ahead on my Colts uh, schedule as well. And the thing that you just mentioned was the first thing that popped out to me. And now, of course, as soon as I say this, T.Y. Hilton has returned to practice on Thursday. I don't think that necessarily means that he's going to play this week or not. But uh, that was my guess, my guess. And sometimes you have to speculate trying to get a better number in these things. And my speculation was that if your Marlon Mack is banged up and T.Y. Hilton is banged up and you're likely not going to win this game on the road anyway, you get that extra week for these guys. I don't know. I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze trying to get them back into this game against the Chiefs where your win probability, even with these guys on the field, is still extremely low. Yep, that's exactly how I'm feeling about it. So, uh, you know, this is not a game that we're, I, I, I doubt we're going to have this game on our on our circuit card. I'm not going to have it on any of my cards this week. But if I were, if I'm looking at one game, that's probably the one there on Sunday night. All right, so some pretty interesting lines here, Jay. This week we have several fives that are on the board. We, you know, always always love those five point spreads whenever they're hanging out there. Uh, what is what are a couple of games that that you looked at and you said, okay, this is something I'm willing to get down on this week. Well, I think if you want, if you like the Steelers, you want to play it at three and a half. I think that line is going to be at three for at many places by game time. And certainly we're seeing some of that start to show that the, the market is, you know, pre preseason, that line was Pittsburgh, you know, three point favorite. Now they're a three point dog. And the, the only issue I have is I do so much in the rushing guidelines that, um, I think Baltimore's still going to have some success running the football, and Pittsburgh's going to have to try to match that. And now we have Rudolph, uh, who's played well, um, better than I think many thought, replacing Ben so far. But that that's the game that uh, is an underdog, and there's not many that I, I'm probably going to be on more favorites this week. But uh, the Steelers back home um, as an underdog – above three and even at three, I think is um, a little reaction to what we've seen out of the Steelers. They showed well, they're on a shorter week, but you know, the Ra- the real Ravens after playing Miami in the opener and some weaker opponents, they, they were exposed last week by the Browns and to go on the road in this, t- in this environment against the big rival, I think is a little tougher. Brett, looking at these games, is there anything, I, there's not a lot of sides that really I know we're going to have to play five. I mean, we have to play five yeah. in the contest this week. So, you know, we've got to do it. But is there is there any sides that you're looking at? There was really nothing that jumped off the page to me. I think the Cowboys at home 
as three and a half point favorites against the Packers is at least somewhat interesting to me if we get confirmation that Devontae Adams is going to be out for this team. The Packers offense just has looked a little disjointed anyway, as it is anyway. And you take Devontae Adams out of the equation there, then I think it really kind of muddies the water as to what's going on there. I don't know, maybe something that I would look at. Some of these totals, actually, I, I do like a little bit better than the sides. But let's just just focusing on the sides. Is there anything that maybe me and Jay are missing? Nothing yet. I mean, I really start diving in Thursday night. Uh, the only thing I'm really looking at right now is how the market is, has moved and how it's moving throughout the week. Uh, the Bills-Titans game is really fascinating to me. These are two very similar teams in the way they operate, two very good defenses with problems at quarterback. And Buffalo has an even bigger problem at quarterback now with Josh Allen's status in question. I don't think he's worth any points, not even half a point over Matt Parkley right now, but it's a very different offense when Allen is on the field. Because he can at ways. least stretch the he can at least stretch out drives with his legs and stuff and That's, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also way more, you know, turnover prone so i mean it's good ways and bad when he's on the field so i mean that's it's that's worth monitoring leading up to sunday i want to see how the titans have performed against mobile quarterbacks versus you know the drop back guys as well so uh that's one i'm going to be looking at pretty heavily the totals here uh, this week are the ones that are really jumping off the page and and, and jumping out to me i mean this Giants-Vikings game, 43-and-a-half. I mean, Danny Dimes, look, the Vikings offense, one is putrid, and then you have Danny Dimes going to give up against what I consider to be probably one of the top five units in all of the NFL here. He is in for a rude awakening. I mean, even last week we saw him make some of those rookie mistakes, and now he's going to get a Vikings team that does like to kind of disguise their blitzes, disguise their coverages, do all kinds of crazy things on the defensive side of the ball. 43 and a half points seems like too many to me in that one. Certainly something I am looking at there. Another one of the totals that I'm kind of looking at is this Saints and Bucks game at 46 and a half. I think that might be a little high after watching the Bucks go over there and score 55 points. But this Saints defense, obviously much better than the Rams defense is playing right now. And then the Saints offense is just not really putting very many points on the board. You can go back to that. You can go back to that Seattle game where they scored points. I mean, there was there was a defensive touchdown and a special teams touchdown in that game as well. And what really got us there. And then, of course, we saw this past week where they only put up 12. So 46 and a half. I'm kind of monitoring that one as well to see what's going on. And then finally, I mean, nobody wants to bet the under in a Chiefs game like there's no doubt about that. But can they cover it themselves? Because if the Colts do decide to rest these players, Brett, I mean, if they do decide to to do this, can can the Colts pull their weight? Basically, is where I'm going here. I understand the Chiefs' defense isn't all that great, but if there's no Mac, if there's no T. Y. Hilton, and you got to rely on Chester Rogers and and Naeem Hines and Jordan Wilkins and stuff, I mean, can, can the Colts do their part to get this thing over 56? It was ugly last week, man. I don't know. Uh, I did not. Look, I did not like what I uh, what I saw with that offense without T.Y. Hilton on the field. Brissett still threw three touchdowns, but a lot of that was in garbage time. I, Yeah, I I can't see them putting up a lot of points. And you know Kansas City's going to get after them. So uh, on the road, I, I'm just not, I'm not in love with, with the Colts scoring too many points in this one. And if you projected, um, Brett, and, and how you look at 
the game might play out. Right. Indianapolis to have any chance probably has to control the ball, and that's going to be uh, trying to run it. And Kansas City is second to last in the league in allowing 150 rushing yards a game. So if they can, even if they're banged up or certainly without Hilton, they're going to most likely try to control the ball and run it, and that's going to keep the clock moving, and that can certainly impact how that plays out with a scoring perspective. Yeah, that's, that's probably how Reich will attack the game, especially early on. So. Yeah, pretty that that one going to be going to be monitored on my end uh, pretty closely as well. I don't, I don't have very many uh, tickets in the in the hopper right now as we sit here on Thursday. And any any thoughts on the Bears in Oakland, which is in London, the new stadium there? Yeah, I'm gonna not watch that game. That's my, my <laughs> thought. My thought is my thought is I'm gonna not watch that game because good lord. No, I mean you know my initial lean of of course is is to the Bears here. I don't think there's any difference in in Mitchell Trubisky and Chase Daniel whatsoever. And I think we probably saw that in the way yeah. that these lines were instantly posted, the totals were instantly posted, the futures didn't even come off the board whenever it was you know said that Chase Daniel was gonna start. I mean normally if this was if this was a situation with any quarterback that anyone thought was even halfway decent that those bets come down off the board then they repost them with different odds like it didn't even change anything when they went to chase daniel here which i think speaks speaks volumes yeah the market is wise to mitch trubisky five though is five too many for this bears team i mean i thought it was too many last week again but i mean you know it's I think this defense is like good enough to basically stymie just about everybody and and this Raiders offense, I mean, again, this is like now the third game in this road trip from hell for for the Raiders team here. I don't know. Maybe five is a sneaky play on the Bears. Yeah, we're seeing, again, all the travel the Raiders are having to do. And this defense at the Bears is obviously top notch. And I don't know how they're going to score too much here. The totals reflecting that we're seeing it down even below 41 in a lot of places now. But um, if the Bears can control it and shut them down, then five is going to be a relatively cheap number i think if 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 you don't think the raiders are going to be scoring much then you'd you'd lay the points as always guys you can head over to thelines.com and you can take a look at all of the stuff that we're talking about here in written form you can see some of jay's great work over there as well and of course we're real proud of the new odds feed that we have on there so be sure and take a look at that we have it for uh, not only new jersey but for pennsylvania as well and then as brett mentioned in just a day or two we will have the very very best offers you can possibly get in indiana if you want to sign up for an account over there so if you're not just rushing 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 to get it done hold out for a couple days and then head over to the lines and take a look over there because we always have not only free money offers but bet match offers and and free bet offers and things like that and uh, just exclusive to us at the lines and play picks and so certainly you want to take advantage of that stuff as opposed to going and just getting the generic offers that are offered out there take advantage of all that those are all it's all plus ev brett if we're going to try and beat these books we need to at least take their free money if they're going to give it to us Oh, yeah. Sign up for all the books. Take advantage of all the offers that you get and then decide where you want to uh, spread your action out, uh, depending on what the lines are and everything else. So, yeah, guys, good luck in week five with all of your bets for Brett, for Jay. I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.